G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our conversation is going to be around the three primary fears that prevent Christians from stepping into God's work with the fullness of their lives. Now, what are those primary fears? Uh, Make a mental note of some of these as we get our conversation underway. A fear of sacrifice, a fear of failure, and the fear for our own personal safety. Well, a new book uses a modern-day parable to help Christians step into the calling for their lives. It's called The Family Business, a parable about stepping into the life you were made for. Author Jeff Peters uses a modern-day story to help readers bridge the gap between what God designed them to do and their everyday lives. Well, Jeff Peters serves on the international leadership team of Operation Mobilization and is director of the Mission Gap Project. Now, Operation Mobilization, one of those big mission organizations in the world, something like 7,000 missionaries in 118 countries. Jeff is also an instructor at Fuller Theological Seminary in the US where he leads an online course called Live the Life You Were Made For. Jeff Peters, a special welcome along to 2020. Neil, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And I might say, Jeff, you're on the east coast of the United States and you're staying up a little later for us, 8.30 p.m. your time. Let's talk about your book, A Fictional Family Business. Uh, How does the story all work? Right, Neil. So the family business, as you said, it's a fictional, it's a parable, a fictional parable told unwrapping the story of Jesse, who is the father figure in the story. Jesse has a successful family business, a hardware store business that he has nurtured from the ground up from the beginning. And he's getting older in his years, and he desires to have his children step into uh, the family business to take on the family business as, uh, as something that they could continue going forward with for their own lives. And so he brings them together for a family meal around a holiday and presents the invitation. And the book unfolds as each one of his five adult children wrestle with this invitation that their father has given them. How do they step into the work of their father into the family business with the fullness of their lives? How do they honor their father? And how do they wrestle with this invitation? And so that is, without giving anything away as far as the ending goes, that is the story of the family business. Is there a personal connection in here, Jeff? Uh, Do you have your own children? And, you know, as a parent, you think of passing on a legacy to the next generation and then even perhaps to grandchildren. Do you you have any uh, personal connection in the way the story comes together? Well, I think... 
I certainly do. I mean, it's, I think it's difficult to write a story as an author, especially a fictional story, and not find yourself in a number of the characters and some of their character traits and some of the fears and struggles they themselves might personally have as they're wrestling with the father's invitation. The setting of the book is actually in the U.S. state of Iowa, uh, where my grandfather was born. Uh, and so there's a bit of a family connection in there. Uh, and uh, luckily for me, I, I'm not in a place uh, where my, we have three children, my wife and I have three children, and we're not quite at a place uh, where they're old enough to be stepping into uh, the work that we do. But of course, we certainly want to nurture them in that direction. So uh, there's a few different connection points for me personally, absolutely. So Jesse has the hardware business and his children have grown up. Jesse's getting a little older and so he's organised to be able to announce to the children uh, that he wants to pass on the responsibility. And, of course, uh, he's had all of those years of working through the issues, facing the challenges, overcoming all of those things in order to have a successful business. And he recognises that the kids, they've got a fair bit of learning to do. So there are challenges and then there are fears. And you're focusing on uh, primarily some of the fears that the children face as they contemplate taking over the family business. And all of this with a spiritual dimension as well. So let's talk the fears here, Jeff. How do the fears fit into your story? Yeah, the fears, and you, you laid it out beautifully on the opening of the segment, but you, you talked about the fear of safety, the fear of failure, and the fear of sacrifice. And those three fears actually came to the surface uh, when our team did some research. Uh, we went out and did research with existing professing Christians, Bible-believing Christians, Christians who say that the Bible greatly influences their, their daily walk and their daily life and attend church or Bible study regularly. And we did research there in Australia as well as in six other countries around the world. And the fear of failure, the fear of safety, and the fear of sacrifice came right to the top. And so in writing this book, I felt like it was important to draw from that knowledge uh, to, so that it actually is something that readers can, uh, can perhaps see themselves as one or two characters, or maybe they see themselves in, in every character of the book, uh, because the fears that came out of that research and the fears that the children face are so relevant and real they came straight from the lips and mouths if you will of christians all around the world things that people say keep them from engaging uh, our heavenly father's work with their full lives you address issues around the fear of the unknown uh, because uh, the children can't necessarily know all of the challenges that the father has faced in establishing the hardware business. But this fear of the unknown, uh, how do you address those sorts of things? And if we're talking the spiritual dimension here, a Christian dimension in all of this. Do we all experience something of a fear of the unknown? I really think we do, and the the important thing to remember about this, and this is where, uh, this is where the the sort of the fictional story rubs up against our our theological understanding of the way God works 
in the lives and in the, in, in the spirit of each and every one of us, the way the Holy Spirit works. Uh, and that is, you know, as we step into the things that we're afraid of, as we say yes to God, as we uh, take one step forward after the next, after the next, uh, we see that God is with us. It's, it's no different, if you will, than sort of the fear of the unknown, if, if you will, that Moses experienced. Uh, here God says, I have a plan for you. I'd like you to take my, my children and lead them out of slavery. And if you look at the original response of Moses, petrified. He's terrified. In fact, he, he completely has a, he has, a, he has a better idea, right? He says, actually, God, I'm, I think you should actually talk to my brother. I think he's, he'd be a much better choice. But this is a normal response. And as we step into the things that God has called us to do, that God has, has directed us to do, uh, we experience a deepening of our personal faith. We grow as disciples. And so the fear of the unknown is a very real thing. And it's also a very real opportunity for each of us to grab a hold of God's hand, to pray and to recognize that he will be with us for those things that he's directed us to be a part of. Jeff, in this day, when we're in a, well, some will say a post-COVID world, uh, people are looking at life a whole lot differently than they were just a couple of years ago. How significant is your story in this post-COVID world, a different time and a time to reassess? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a very good question, and it is a timely topic, especially, uh, you know, I think it's there in Australia, just as in the U.S., we've heard a lot about the Great Resignation uh, and this this evaluation around what am I doing with my life? Is this, is this what I want to be spending my life doing, uh, or do I need to find something else? Do I feel that there's a better fit? And And these questions of what has God shaped me to do? What has He built me to do? Um, they go directly to the to uh, to the source of of personal identity, right? I mean, do I understand what God made me to do and what He's directed me, what He's asked me to do, or have I put all my eggs in a basket that is based on personal wealth and personal success and, and taking the gifts and talents and skills that he's, he has gifted to me. And instead of stewarding them for his glory, perhaps I've been stewarding them for things that are more for my glory or my, uh, you know, in a different direction. And so is this a time to reassess, to reevaluate and recognize that I we all feel most whole, I believe, when we are doing the things we were created to do. When we're not doing the things we were created to do, we, we just, we're, not, we're not living the life that God has intended us to live. So at a time of shaking, if you called a COVID threat a time of shaking, and a lot of people lost jobs, lost working hours, even lost relationships and families, all sorts of things fell to pieces. You're talking about this being an opportunity to reevaluate, and we might not think of all of the downside and the bad side of COVID as an opportunity, but you're seeing there's something special in here where in the the dreadful circumstance you might have been through, uh, that there's actually God 
capturing your attention and your imagination to uh, to change things for where he wants to lead. Is that a fair enough way of saying uh, this sort of, you know, when you talk about the great resignation, those sorts of things? I think so. I, I think, and you know, our, our family suffered a, 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 a tremendous amount of loss with family and with, with friends and close ones as well during this during this process. But my wife actually said to me the other day, and I think this is, it, it rings true for this statement as well. Uh, it, it takes comfort in realizing that at no point in human history has God ever let humanity have the last word. <laughs> um, his, his track record is to keep pursuing us and to keep loving us. And so even despite horrible circumstances of job loss and, and loss of loved ones uh, and uh, many other things that have occurred throughout this COVID shakeup, God is still on the throne. He is still directing our path, and it is still on us to respond and recognize the thing he has put in front of us to be a part of. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Jeff Peters. Jeff's new book is called The Family Business, a parable about stepping into the life you were made for. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, you might have a question, a comment, a scenario, even a critique for our conversation will be welcome. 1-800-316-316. Jeff, let me ask you about the characters in your book. You've got Jesse, who is the builder of the business, the hardware business, and you've got the children who are all on a retreat because Jesse's passing on the responsibility to them. Uh, what are some of the issues around the characters in your book? I know one of those, Becca, is uh, is uh, one with a particular focus. Yeah, Becca is, so there are five children, five adult children, uh, and they are all over the map uh, as you, as diverse as kids could possibly be, if you, if you can think of that, think of it that way. But Becca is actually the one character in the book. Uh, she's the uh, sort of the middle middle girl, if you will, and she is based uh, probably closest to um, some of the res- or based off of, I should say, some of the responses we received and that I received in the focus groups we did there in Australia. Uh, and it was, uh, I'll never forget this moment. And we were sitting in the focus groups and we were asking these Jesus followers, how do you engage in God's work in the world? And this one woman spoke up and she spoke beautifully about how she and her family, they, they get involved in homeless ministry. They get involved in, in reaching out to, uh, to migrant groups. They get involved uh, with uh, elder care. I mean, they do a ton of things. And then the moderator said, how do you connect the dots for people that, you know, between your actions and your faith? And she said, oh, I would never tell anybody that I do these things because I'm a Christian. Some of those things uh, you want to, you know, keep separated. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So you would keep those things a little bit secret. Is there a certain sense in which you are reevaluating your purpose, what you're here for, and there are some things that you keep between you and God, and there are other things that you might make public. Uh, how does that sort of work, do you think, when you're reevaluating your calling? 
I, I think that's I think that's absolutely correct. We need to be able to have those personal moments, those those that one on one with God that I do this for you and for your glory and it's between you and me. I think the thing that struck me most is that when we dove in with this woman a little bit deeper in the focus group, she said that she was afraid to tell people about her faith. Uh, and that she did things because of her faith, because bringing up the idea of being a Christian, um, she just didn't feel like she wanted to be judged that way. Uh, and so there was this sense for her, at least, and for her family, that, yeah, I do the things that God tells me to do, but I, I would never pass it along because I'm afraid to mention that I'm a Christian, not because I want to keep it secret or because it's just between me and God, but because I'm actually afraid of the response I might receive. And so Becca, as a character, some of her reality that unfolds in her chapter of the book is a bit based on that. This, this, are you, are you keeping that picture perfect reality so as not to rock anybody's boat? Uh, and how do you balance doing the things you've been called to do with this idea that sometimes, sometimes that involves rocking people's boats, uh, even, uh, and sometimes that might be uncomfortable, but how do you step into that? How do you live into that as a reality? Is there a sense in which Becca and the fears that she has, a little bit of those three primary fears we were talking about, uh, the fear of personal safety. If I do share my faith and something might happen, someone might criticise me or I might feel hurt in some way, uh, the fear of failure. Well, what if I speak out and, uh, and something bad does happen? Or the fear of sacrifice. All three fears seem to come together in Becca. Yeah, they definitely do. I think Becca's character is primarily based around this fear of safety, and not in the physical safety sense, but sort of, uh, you know, I've got a good relationship with my neighbors right now. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if I start talking to them about the family business, uh, as, as her chapter uh, unfolds, uh, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they won't like me as much, or maybe they'll expect different things of me, or maybe they'll come to me with different types of questions, and I don't know that I can handle all that. And so I just kind of want to live in anonymity because I don't want, uh, I don't want this, um, uh, this judgment or I don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. And so her, absolutely, fear of safety. The other characters, absolutely the idea of fear of sacrifice. What am I going to have to give up to step into my father's family business or the fear of failure? Um, what, if I, what if I do it wrong? What if I, what if I give my life for this and I don't see any fruit? Um, how do I, how do I justify going in this direction? If, if I don't know that I'm going to have some solid wins uh, to, to put into my, uh, into my resume or into my, into the win column of my life, so to speak. Uh, and so the other characters definitely wrestle with those two fears uh, more, more directly. Coming back to a biblical foundation too here, Jeff, uh, where the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy to preach the gospel, uh, whether it's in season or out of season, almost like it's though, uh, you know, without regard to your personal safety or your personal sacrifice, it's a matter of uh, do it anyway. Any thoughts here as to the sort of things we'd glean from a biblical foundation in the, in the things you're sharing, especially around Becca? Goodness, I mean, I, I from my perspective, you know, one of the things that 
I have really been focusing on this past couple years is it, it has dawned on me that for most of us, you know, two weeks from now, we'll be celebrating Easter. If we look at John's gospel and we look at chapter 20, uh, we see this beautiful moment when Mary sees Jesus and she runs to tell the disciples. And oftentimes in Easter, that's where we stop the story. It's the celebration of the resurrection, and it should be. But if we keep reading onward, we see that that very same night, Jesus appears to his disciples and says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You've got a job to do. Uh, and so we, 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 we tend to, we look at, I think it's, it's chapter 20, verse 18, we have this great, beautiful moment of what Christ has done for us. And just a few verses later is this beautiful moment of what Christ is now actually asking us to do for him. And it's dawned on me that in all my years of attending Easter services, we tend to still separate those two messages. Even though it's the same day in John's version of the gospel, um, we tend to focus on what Christ has done for me. But we don't focus quite, in, quite as intensely on what I'm supposed to do for Christ. And so, uh, to your point on Paul's, on Paul's counsel to Timothy, uh, to, your, to uh, the words of even Christ in Acts, of, that we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, all of that as a mandate going forward, uh, I think it, it is an all-the-time thing. It is an all-the-time in every situation. It is a 24-7 uh, activity. This, uh, I think... You're getting me in a, a bit of a, a bit of a soapbox here. Well, it's almost it's as though it's a, a fuller expression of that great commission. And hey, Jeff, as we get into this part of our conversation, and just encouraging listeners one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in the conversation. Uh, let's talk about Aussies for a few moments, because you have access all over the world uh, to all sorts of different nationalities. But Australians have been involved, too, in some focus groups, as you mentioned. Uh, so uh, when you're uh, having these focus groups, you're getting an Aussie perspective. And some of that, no doubt, uh, gets taken into consideration when you're writing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Australian focus groups actually were the very first in the set that we did. We followed on from, from Australia to six other countries uh, but it was it was truly the Australian focus groups that set the tone, the process, and really helped us to dive into the bigger questions, which were, what is it that Christians actually understand about our role as a part of God's work in the world, about our Heavenly Father's work that He's called us to be a part of? What do we know we're supposed to do, and what are the fears that hold us back from actually engaging uh, in the work we know we're supposed to be doing. A little pause for a moment here, Jeff, for some context, because, you know, when we're talking about Operation Mobilisation, uh, for listeners, uh, they would need to know that, you know, you guys are the real deal. You've got missionaries that are working in really dangerous contexts around the world, where uh, those who've decided to serve in mission through Operation Mobilisation, you know, you've often gone through a real examination of God's calling on your life and those sorts of sacrifices of uh, loss and uh, potential failure and personal safety at risk. So there's a really hardcore mission focus that you could aim for. 
But then there's the sort of mission focus that you might have in your own local community and how you might feel a calling there. How do you uh, discern, you know, uh, what's the, you know, because obviously for some people, they'll never see themselves going into a nation where their lives will be at risk. Uh, But how do you get a context here? That's a great question, Neil. I think it all boils down to doing the thing that God has designed you to do based on the way he has shaped you. Uh, so if you are someone with a skill set for interpersonal communications that uh, is, is maybe you're an introvert and, and one-on-one conversations is how you're, you're more built, then, then absolutely you're not the person who should be uh, probably doing evangelism to large stadiums of, of people. Maybe that's way outside your comfort zone. Uh, or maybe you're a person who's, well, probably a great example uh, is uh, right in the middle of a lot of the work in the Ukraine right now. Our, the OM uh, country leader, uh, if you will, in the Ukraine is, is an Aussie. Uh, he's been there for many, many years now. Uh, he is absolutely in the middle uh, of a difficult place. And so uh, we work with people and our, our role, our heart as Operation Mobilization is, how has God shaped you? What are the things that he has put on your heart? What is burning inside of you? And let's help you activate those things uh, into the world in your own local context or somewhere in another part of the world um, as he has directed you. Sometimes that means being a traditional missionary like you talked about. Sometimes, I mean, we work with folks who are, you know, they, they're, they're maybe a nurse. This is a great example. We've got a, a woman I was speaking with uh, two weeks ago. She serves as a nurse in a, in a Middle Eastern country. She was trained in, I believe, South Africa. She worked as a nurse there, and she just said, look, God's called me to be a part of his work in the world. I, I could be a nurse here, or I could just apply and get a job as a nurse in a part of the world where Christians are few and far between. And so that's what she did. I think you were referring to the Aussie in Ukraine, uh, known as Wayne from Ukraine. And Wayne was our guest a couple of weeks ago, and we were getting an update as things were starting to really heat up in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's who you're referring to. Hey, let's talk about this uh, true purpose, a purpose and you've already touched on some really wonderful scriptures just in the earlier segments there. But for some people, thinking about the purposes of God and where I fit into all of that, uh, the will of God, the purpose of God, sometimes people think of that as like trying to find a needle in a haystack and you've got to stumble across it. But you've got a slightly different idea on the purpose of God. Give us your insights here as to how you can recognize what God's purpose is so that you can make a more, uh, you know, a more intelligent assessment of where you're going to fit. Yeah, Neil, the first thing we have to do, and this is really collectively as, uh, and I think even, even, even our own Operation Mobilization and several of our other brothers and sister organizations in the missions world, we have often done a poor job of communicating the way we talk about God's mission. So, for example, we have sometimes framed the idea of, of calling around an if, if you are called. But the reality is, Scripture is very clear. God has, has called all of us for his purpose, right? He, he has extended this invitation for each and every one of us to 
as the Father has sent him, so he is sending us. Uh, as as the scripture that I referenced earlier with uh, in John chapter twenty, uh, we are all a part of it. So we have to st- once we stop thinking of calling around an if if I'm supposed to be a part of God's work in the world, then the question shifts to how. It's not an if; it's a how. And that once we understand that it's really a how, then it's a matter of doing personal assessment. What, well, what are the things that get me excited? What are the things that I clearly have passion for? Talking to friends, talking to family, talking to those folks who know us and love us the most, who might say, you know, whenever you would talk about this topic or whenever you're doing this thing over here, your face really lights up. You get really excited. I, I, I'm pretty sure if you can find a way to connect the dots between that thing and sharing God's love in the community or with people who, who need to know and experience his love, then that's where you should be serving. And so it really becomes that, that sort of a self-assessment once we identify that each and every one of us was put on this earth for God's purposes. What role do you think the local church has in helping people see where their purpose is, uh, you know, what their gifts are and how they're going to fit into God's overall plan? So I imagine that this would be an essential role of the local church, but I wonder whether you've got any perspectives here about, you know, some not perhaps giving this as much attention as it needs. Absolutely. Operation Mobilization, I mean, for years, we have always, always, always partnered with and worked through the local church everywhere that we are, because the local church, the role of the pastor, the role of the body of Christ, the gathered local community, they are the folks who uh, are on the ground and know people, they know local people the best. They're the ones who have the trust and have the voice and have the staying power of getting that message, that constant message out to folks to say, you were made for the purposes of God. Uh, this, isn't a, this isn't an incidental thing. This isn't a, uh, oh, you just happen to be alive at this point in time. No, it's because God has a purpose, a purpose for your life, and he has shaped and designed you uh, to be a part of it. I absolutely believe this is uh, a key role of the local church to help speaking into uh, the lives of congregants and continuing to build and grow disciples. Uh, I think, uh, to be very direct about it, I would say, oftentimes, uh, even in my own my own time as a pastor, you know, I felt there were times when we celebrated this moment when people came to faith, almost as if that was some sort of a, a, of a of an ending point. It wasn't an ending point, but it was almost like the goal. This person came to faith. That was the goal. Fantastic. We checked the box. Now we move on. We find someone else who we can bring to faith. But really saying yes to Jesus is the starting point of a new journey. Now that I've said yes, now that I've said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you with my whole life. I need to figure out where he's leading and what skills and gifts he's given me to steward for his work along the way. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call from Nard, who is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Nard. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. What are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I guess it's it's incredible. The whole conversation is just so timely. I've just been driving to the Sunshine Coast to meet with some Chinese pastors about calling. 
um, because my dilemma that I'm really interested in just, just to seek the, the guys some guidance about is that I had a missional calling and I spent many, many, many years preparing for that. But I feel like that some of my character issues um, may have resulted in God having to shut the door on that missional calling and it's breaking my heart. And I'm just wondering what, um, yeah, the thought, thoughts would be on how to reconcile that with God because I'm literally driven quite a long way to meet with some Chinese pastors to, you know, just ask for intercessory prayer for this particular issue. So wow. just because I think, I think as well also for Christians, especially if you've got a really strong calling or you're like a real passion, it can become an idol as well, you know, because people talk about idolatry um, and how that, you know, because obviously we have to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus Christ and it's out of that deep abiding relationship that the calling is revealed. But I think for, I'm kind of, I get, I think in my situation it was also a little bit out of balance because I, was, I became more passionate about my calling than my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, honestly speaking, and that was a, it's, it's a challenge for me, and I'm wanting to reconcile that with God. No, and, yeah, as you say, uh, this is a very timely conversation to have, and I'm so glad you yeah. called because there's a number of dimensions in all of this, but uh, let's yeah. get a thought or two. Jeff, what are your thoughts for Nard? Yeah, Nard, absolutely. First, thank you for calling, and I think what you're doing, headed off to meeting Chinese pastors, uh, to to just be a part of that work. Um, let me just affirm that. I, I think, you know, one of the things that came out in our research, uh, and maybe this speaks to, to you uh, directly, uh, is our fear of, of failure is, or fear of, 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 am I making the right choice, is, is sometimes rooted in our own human idea of what is success. What we have to remember is that our job is to say yes. <laughs> what God wants to do uh, with our work, uh, God is in charge of those results. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think any of us desires to give the Holy Spirit a, 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 a failing grade. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, you didn't work hard enough here to make something happen, right? Our role is to say yes and to step into it. The second thing that I want to say is what we've discovered is um, – there are a lot of people that I've spoken with who say, I had some issues in my past, or there was something that happened, there was some sort of a failure, there was some sort of an, of an issue, and because of that, I don't feel like I'm qualified anymore. And I would say there's a wrestling with that, uh, within, with your own relationship with God, but I would also say, in my experience, it is easier for people to see themselves oftentimes in their backstory. Because God is glorified. What God has done in our lives to bring us from wherever we were to wherever we are today is a much fuller picture of the glory that he uh, says that should be honoring to him, right? Uh, the way that he walks with us from wherever we were to wherever we are today uh, helps people to understand we are not some sort of special superhero Christians that have some sort of extra special uh, talent. Uh, all we've done is said yes to God, but we were broken, we had a past, or we had an issue, uh, and God worked through that, and, and we give that and turn that whole thing back over to Him uh, for, uh, for our work in the future as well. Now, is that a helpful uh, thought about uh, what your situation is? 
Yeah, I find it. I find the thoughts really, really um, encouraging and um, you know profoundly challenging as well. It's just, it's, it's I, I guess um, for me personally, it's sort of, um, the receiving of God's grace because um, I, I kind of have high, I don't know, personal. What do you say? Like just uh, um, expectations of what I'm hoping to give, uh, you know, to serve, how, like how I'm hoping to serve uh, China. I lived there, previously lived there for 10 years. I actually was baptized by American Christians in Beijing um, and I'm hoping to give my life for China. But uh, and it's been heartbreaking just being back here for a season and seeing, you know, what's been happening on the international arena. Um, well, Nard, yeah, uh, so yeah. we'll, uh, we'll pray God's grace and blessing on you as you have your meeting today. Uh, let's expect good things and uh, let's hope it all comes together in the way that you're hoping. And if it's not today, uh, that there might be another step along in the process where you can really be released in your gifting. So, Nard, thank you so much uh, for joining our conversation today. Still time for a call on 1-800-316-316. Let me just ask you, uh, Jeff, about process. I mean, not everybody starts at a level of maturity and leadership to be able to take on big responsibilities, but uh, there might be a process that we go through that builds us up to that point. Any thoughts here? Absolutely. I think there are many organizations, there are discipleship processes, there are steps and tools and, and trainings and, and conferences that are all out there and can help with a lot of those things. Of course, OM, uh, I know the OM team there in based in Melbourne, but they've got folks spread around uh, all of, of Australia uh, that, oh, I know OM offers a number of, of training courses and a number of things that are online as well as in person and things to help people step into some of these questions because they're, they're, they're really, truly important questions. Like I mentioned to Nod, we have sometimes set up uh, missionaries, traditional missionaries, if you will, as sort of this special superhero Christian. And the reality is none of us are that way. It is the work of God through us. All we've done is to say yes uh, and, and follow where God leads. And if we can help people to understand the first step is saying yes and then going forward, um, that's, that's the great place to begin. You lead the Mission Gap Project, and uh, you're trying to close the divide uh, of between what Christians are called to do and what they actually do. Uh, if there are a lot of listeners perhaps in that gap right now, what's your encouragement to them? Because uh, uh, finding your place, finding your purpose, there's clearly a lot of great fulfillment in that, and sometimes you can just be paddling around uh, in do-nothing land, uh, but the need for actually determining a way forward that you're confident about. Any thoughts here for uh, people who find themselves in the gap? Yeah, I would say first it all begins with prayer. <laughs> uh, and you can you know you're in the gap when I think one of the one of the signs that really comes out is that restlessness. That restlessness of of feeling like ah, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I feel like I was made for more. Uh, and in reality you you were you were made to be a part of what the king of the universe is doing, what his goals are on this earth to reconcile, to, to love others and to be a part of his work. Uh, and you were gifted with skills and experiences and talents to do that exact thing. And so uh, 
taking the time to pray and to pray specifically that God will open those doors, that will, he'll, he'll reveal to you. Uh, even the baby steps, uh, I think, that's number one, is, is the prayer. The second thing um, I would say is to set aside time. Set aside time in your busy schedule. I know for me, uh, you know, I can pack my schedule out from half hour to half hour, uh, seemingly, on certain days. And so when when suddenly those opportunities to be God's loving witness to my neighbor or to somebody in my own community pops up, I feel like, oh, I would love to do that if I only had the time to do it. And so start by freeing up time so that you can make time to, to respond when, when God pushes you in a direction. And are you talking here full-time or for those who are, in fact, you know, they're engaged, they've got a mortgage to pay and a family to raise, uh, recognizing there's a calling there because uh, you can't do that necessarily full-time by uh, uprooting yourself from where you are planted right now to perhaps another uh, mission designation on the other side of the world. But there's a certain sense in which uh, you can be in preparation for that opportunity if it comes. What are your thoughts for you know how you actually uh, divide up your time and be involved in this pursuit that uh, you know is a mission from God? Well, I think the first thing, actually, Neil, is to take a step back uh, and recognize, you know, the term missionary is not actually a term we find in the Bible. It's a term that we as the church have designated, we've used over the years to designate disciples who do the work of discipleship, maybe sometimes outside of their normal context, far from home or in a new community. But being a disciple and being a missionary uh, the actions, loving people, caring for people, sharing the love of Jesus, introducing people to Jesus, those things are the same whether you call yourself a disciple or you call yourself a missionary. And so I would say the first step is to recognize that if you are a Christian, if you are someone who has said yes to Jesus, then you have joined God's missionary force in the world. And it is a 24-7 every day, every location thing. It's not a part-time gig. There's actually, there are maybe short-term opportunities, but there's no such thing as a short-term missionary. When you said yes to following Jesus, you gave him your whole life. It wasn't just, here's my whole life for two weeks every other year uh, in this one location. I'm not going to go be a Christian or be a missionary or be a part of God's mission in one location and then come home and suddenly say, I'm not a part of God's mission. So, once we reevaluate the way we think about the idea of being on God's mission, it can help us to recognize that there are ways I can be on mission, part of God's mission with my family, in my workplace, in my school, on the soccer pitch, on the football field, wherever that's going to be, um, wherever God has me, um, I am always his representative. I am always stepping into uh, what he has called me to do. As we do more and more of that, it becomes easier, it becomes simpler. And then perhaps when the doors open, if you want to go, if it's overseas to a place that we might consider to be a least reached community or a place where Christians are few and far between, then you have all the right foundation set to make that move happen. Well, if I am a Christian, then I am a part of God's purpose and his mission. And I've got to find out where I fit in the whole overall scheme of things. And Jeff Peters, wonderful 
uh, and exciting uh, wisdom that you've been sharing with listeners today. And I suspect uh, so many listeners feeling an extra sense of clarity, having heard your wisdom on these things. And uh, to, to think that you've written a book which is a fictional account, but a modern parable about stepping into the life you were made for. There'll be listeners who might want to get a hold of the family business. It's called The Family Business, A Parable About Stepping Into the Life You Were Made For. It's published by Tyndale, and there is a link on the OM website, the international website, om.org. And Jeff did mention the OM, which stands for Operation Mobilisation. There is an Australian office in Melbourne. It's om.org.au, and uh, there might be some who are saying today, Uh, Well, I've just been waiting for a conversation like this to affirm that I ought to be in touch with some people who can oversee me getting into a really hardcore mission opportunity. So uh, let me encourage you to go to om.org.au. And to mention, too, that Jeff uh, is also leading an online course, Live the Life You Were Made For. Uh, Jeff, uh, how do people connect with you on that course? Is that a fuller theological seminary connection, or how do people connect with that one? Yes, absolutely. I think the there is a link on my personal webpage, which is just jeffpeters.net. Uh, you can find the course from there. You can also find the course, actually, I should state, uh, from thefamilybusinessparable.com. So I'm fairly certain we still have a link to the course from thefamilybusinessparable.com, which is a website for the book. There's also some small group resources, additional video content, all for free. Uh, and you can pick up the book there as well, thefamilybusinessparable.com. Okay, so it is a little bit baffling with all of these addresses, but uh, just to <laughs> reinforce, Jeff Peters, his own site, jeffpeters.net, and then there is a website for the Family Business book that we're talking about today, thefamilybusinessparable.com. Uh, lots to chew over there, lots of great insights, and lots of expressions of how you can find some Uh, detail about how you can move forward uh, for those Australian listeners who are wanting to take another step and uh, really pursue what God has prepared for them. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time, for staying uh, staying up a little later and sharing your heart with our listeners. I really appreciate you and hope we get to talk another day. Indeed. Thank you, Neil. It's been great. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.